Atlanta's number one radio stations. Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6. Radio stations has you covered. From our studios to our newsroom at KLP Entertainment. Listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube and more. Coming after you. What is that? Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, ready PG 13. Everybody hates the taking off and putting on your shoes nightmare at the airport. But now, there's an easier way. New hands-free Skechers Slip-Ins. With new Skechers Slip-Ins, you just step in and go. Without bending down or looking for a place to sit. Try new machine-washable hands-free Skechers Slip-Ins. These caramel cold brew M&M's are like M&M's with a coffee shop vibe. Maybe too much of a coffee shop vibe. Mm. This next one is about the importance of friendship, so I'm going to maintain eye contact while I sing it. Oh, boy. Live from our newsrooms brings back our hit news network, SNN, with many news anchors like Arthur Brooks, Addison Hayden, and Beatrix Gemma. Brings you stories about the news worldwide. Tune in on Atlanta's number one stations, Swanky 93.3 and The Heat 94.6 radio stations. To get the latest news today, listen on all major audio platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audacity, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, and more. Twitter had become like a bad boyfriend. Under Elon Musk, the platform could be unreliable and unfiltered. Some users called it toxic. They encouraged their followers to get off the platform in protest of Musk's leadership, including his algorithm changes and decision to reinstate Donald Trump's account. Other tech companies, like Substack, tried to offer frustrated Twitter users a new place to go, but none was compelling enough to pose a viable alternative. Until now. This week, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, released threads, its Twitter competitor. It soon became the most rapidly downloaded app ever. More than 70 million users have joined threads in the last few days, blowing past the audience sizes of Twitter's other challengers. Why? Because Meta had something that the other competitors didn't. 2 billion existing users whom the company could push to use the new product. People log into threads using their Instagram account, rather than having to create a new username, password and profile photo. Meta has also used its existing platforms to promote threads. For people who liked Twitter but didn't like the changes that Musk put in place, or had grown tired of his antics, the emergence of threads is exciting. For all its downsides, Twitter did play an important role in many people's lives, helping them understand the news and stay current on trends and culture. At the same time, the early success of threads highlights a recurring problem in the internet economy. A tiny number of gargantuan companies have ever more control over our attention. Twitter, if anything, was too small to be considered part of this club. Meta, by contrast, is a modern behemoth, along with Alphabet, Google's parent company, Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft.
they're not only the wealthiest corporations that have ever existed, but they've institutionalized a new form of profound inequality in who controls information, Shoshana Zuboff, a privacy expert at Harvard, said. Threads is simply another property in a global surveillance empire. In the rest of today's newsletter, we'll explain the basics of Threads, assess its likelihood of long-term success and give you links to more coverage, in the times and beyond. Threads looks a lot like Twitter. It offers many of the same features, a scrolling feed of posts, some with photos or videos attached, and the ability to repost other users. The feed is a mix of posts from accounts that users follow and those suggested by an algorithm. But it's also supposed to have a different vibe. Meta has pitched threads as a less political version of Twitter, but it's not clear how the company will maintain that atmosphere. Many of the platform's posts have made memes out of the competition between Twitter and threads. Users have photoshopped the faces of Mark Zuckerberg, the chief executive of Meta, and Musk onto famous fights, like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. News outlets, news outlets, like The Guardian and Semaphore, joined and started posting their articles. So far, those posts seem indistinguishable from tweets. But users are having fun on the platform, too. Oprah Winfrey, Kim Kardashian, Jennifer Lopez and Tom Brady all created accounts, and many celebrities posted welcome messages. Pitbull said, Mr. Worldwide checking in. And Martha Stewart posted a photo in a pool, saying she was ready to make a splash. Meta's commitment to keep threads positive is a contrast to Musk's plan to make Twitter an uncensored platform. Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, said Meta decided to create the app specifically to respond to product changes and decisions that Musk made at Twitter. The rollout has heightened the rivalry between Zuckerberg and Musk, who have recently been threatening to cage fight each other. After Thread's release, Musk claimed he had previously deleted his Instagram account. It is infinitely preferable to be attacked by strangers on Twitter, than indulge in the false happiness of hide the pain Instagram, he wrote on Twitter. Lawyers for Twitter sent Meta a letter threatening legal action, accusing Zuckerberg's company of using trade secrets to build Thread's. The app is also not currently available in the European Union because Meta is not yet sure whether it complies with Europe's strict privacy rules. The early success has been a rare recent win for Meta. Facebook and Instagram have struggled to keep up with TikTok, while Zuckerberg's dreams of creating a metaverse have gone mostly unrealized. The company has laid off thousands of employees. Still, the early momentum for Threads does not guarantee long-term success. Other platforms, like Be Real and Clubhouse, have generated buzz as the future of social media, only to wither. Again, though, Meta has an advantage that none of those other attempts did. It's easy to attract users when you already have them more comfortable on the court in his second game with the San Antonio Spurs and fans saw a little bit more of what makes him so special. He led all Spurs players with 27 points and added 12 rebounds, 3 blocks and 1 steal in the 85-80 loss to the Portland Trail Blazers on Sunday at the Thomas and Mack Center. When Banyama was taking players off the dribble, finishing above the rim with put-back dunks and even hit two of his four attempts from three-point range. Sitting courtside, watching one of the newest members of the team, were Jeremy Sachin, Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. We're going to have a lot of fun this season, Sachin told Yahoo Sports with a smile. I can't wait to play with him. He's so long, it's crazy. A week before the Spurs arrived in Las Vegas for Summer League, when Banyuma hit the court with his new teammates for practice. During five-on-five -five drills, when Banyuma dunked on two people off a missed shot and came out of nowhere for the putback. Johnson and Vassell said they just looked at each other, 
shaking their heads and laughing at what they just saw. It's really tough to get a shot off and get anything off around him, Spurs guard Julian Champagny said. Vic's pretty cool, though, he loves to compete and we're all just trying to work out that on-court chemistry. I really like playing with him. The rest of Wimbanyama's teammates had very similar reactions to the first time they met Wimbanyama at practice and hit the court with him for the first time. I was like, whoa, Spurs guard Blake Wesley told Yahoo Sports of the first practice. I've never played with anyone like him before. He's so long and athletic. I remember there was this rebound he got and went back up with a windmill dunk like it was nothing. I was like, how did he just do that? He brings a lot to the team and I'm just grateful to have him as a teammate. Playing alongside Wimbanyuma in the front court is 6'10 forward Dominic Barlow. Giving the Spurs some great size and rim protection in the paint. The pair combined for 11 blocks in the first two games. I've never really had to look up to anybody before so that was something new, Barlow told Yahoo Sports of meeting Wimbanyuma for the first time. He's a great worker. He listens, he's coachable, all the things you want from someone that talented. I'm really excited to continue to compete against him in practice and also play alongside him. Late in the third quarter of Sunday's game, when Banyuma had the ball in transition with Wesley running up the left sideline. When Banyuma beat his man, drawing two other defenders and instead of cutting, Wesley popped out to the corner for a three. Wimbanyuma thought he was still continuing to the basket and threw the ball out of bounds. I know I should have kept cutting and he saw it, too, Wesley said. We're going to get it. We've been having good moments so far, just two games in, so I'm excited to continue to build that chemistry. With his 8-foot wingspan and 7-4 frame, Wimbanyuma does things on the court that other players don't. Instead of grabbing rebounds and turning to look for an outlet pass, he started tipping the ball to his teammates close by to speed up the play in transition. I'm trying to learn his tendencies and we're all just trying to get on the same page as a group, Barlow said. I think we have a chance to be pretty special, especially on the defensive end, with our length and versatility. The sold-out crowd got more of a show Sunday than what fans saw in his debut Friday. Even during warm-ups he looked relaxed, joking around with some of the coaches and talking to his teammates. Once the game tipped off, when Banyuma started to settle into the sets on offense and looked more fluid with different play calls. Honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing on the court tonight, but I'm trying to learn for the next games and be ready for the season, when Banyuma said Friday after his first game. A top CEO and her security team were dining at this Copenhagen restaurant when they noticed something unsettling outside the 17th floor window. A drone seemed to be monitoring them. They had good reason to be paranoid. They were here celebrating the end of a two and a half month investigation that found that the Chinese company Huawei had conducted this ham-fisted espionage effort to try to secure a $200 million contract. This was about more than just money. Telecoms networks are a critical part of any country's national security. The investigation revealed the extent of the alleged dirty tricks that a Chinese tech giant would deploy to get a piece of it.
It all started in early 2019 here at the headquarters of TD Fee Group. It's Denmark's biggest telecoms firm. It's also where the team dining at restaurant Silo worked. At the time, this was early 2019, TDC had a tender offer out there for a contract worth more than $200 million to build their 5G telecoms network. At that time, they had whittled down the bidders to just two, Sweden's Ericsson and China's Huawei. The details in those tender offers are very closely protected, things like pricing, how much do you charge for things. Ericsson, as it turns out, had offered to do this job for less money than Huawei. Huawei was not supposed to know that. Huawei somehow found out, and just hours before the final decision, submitted an emergency revision to its bid, and in fact, its bid was slightly lower than Ericsson's. How had the information managed to seep out? TDC called an emergency investigation. Within that decade, Huawei had leapfrogged other Nordic rivals, including Ericsson and Nokia, to become the world's biggest maker of telecommunications equipment. While not as big as Tencent or Alibaba, Huawei is a far more successful Chinese tech export. The company says that its technology connects over 3 billion people in 170 countries. The way they did that was not without its controversies, right? For many years, Huawei has been under suspicion by the US government and others for potentially being under the control of the Chinese government. We start with the Biden administration, which is said to be considering cutting Huawei off from all of its American suppliers. Huawei is a bad actor. There's a lot of intelligence suggesting that they're very close to the Chinese military and the Chinese intel. So controversy has followed Huawei wherever it's gone. But here in Denmark, Huawei was a trusted provider. Huawei had worked with TDC since 2013. So for many years, Huawei had supplied the key equipment that TDC used for its 3G and its 4G networks. Huawei had an office on this campus and many of its engineers badged into TDC every single day to service the network. It was, a, it was seen as a trusted provider. TDC becomes very alarmed because it's clear that somebody has leaked to Huawei Ericsson's sensitive information. TEC begins an investigation focused on potential insiders, potential hacking, and also potential eavesdropping within their offices. And in fact, a sweep of the boardroom found in microphones hidden in the boardroom. These are some of the most sensitive types of investigations because in this case, maybe, maybe five, maybe 10 at most people had this information. What do they find? What they find is that the head of special projects, a guy named Dove Goldstein, they find very quickly that he had leaked this information to Huawei. The investigation as such was fairly straightforward. However, when they requested CCTV footage of Dove Goldstein's comings and goings, Dove Goldstein finds out and he confronts the executive team at TDC. So there was a leak within the security investigation. This heightened the paranoia even further. The security team decides we can't trust our own environment. We need to leave. We need to take our evidence. They seize the executive's phones. They seize their laptops. It's a very serious investigation. They realize we can't hold that information here. We need to take that evidence to another place, a secure location where we can conduct this investigation. So if you look up there, that big brown building is the Plesner Law Firm. That's the building where TDC, uh, TDC Security Group, um, move their investigation. They uh, booked a conference room on the 15th floor of these law offices as the secure place to conduct the rest of their investigation. But it quickly sort of went awry. 
That same night that they moved their investigation from TDC headquarters here, Plesner's computer network came under sustained hacking attacks. The next day, after midnight, a security guard noticed a drone hovering outside the same 15th floor window where the team was working. One of the reasons they saw the drone, it had lights on it. It apparently had lights, which adds even more levels of intrigue to it because if you lit up that room at that time with the blinds not drawn, you'd have seen the, the full timeline of this team's investigation. The paranoia heightened. Members of the security team started to notice the same strangers popping up around town, appearing to follow and photograph them as they ate at restaurants or entered and left their homes. Even TDC CEO Alison Kirkby seemed to have attracted a persistent tail. To make matters worse, Huawei managers had written to the Danish Prime Minister warning that should Huawei not get the TDC contract, it would, quote, severely affect other Chinese companies' investment confidence in Denmark. The Prime Minister's office didn't comment. The reaction was swift. Goldstein left the company. The investigation found he had allegedly leaked Ericsson's secret information to Jason Lan. He led Huawei's operations in Denmark and investigators determined had essentially cultivated Goldstein as a source. He returned to China. With the investigation concluded and alleged source of the leaks identified, a celebratory dinner was called. They gathered here at Restaurant Silo. Alison Kirkby reflected on the paranoia that had enveloped them and cracked a joke about when she'd next see a drone. Minutes later, a drone reappeared outside the window. The security team watched as it descended to the street below. Men in a white van grabbed it and sped away. And the contract? Ericsson still won it. No criminal charges were filed as a consequence of the affair. Goldstein declined to comment. Ericsson declined to comment. A lawyer for Jason Land said his client believes that he has acted in compliance of all applicable laws and that his relationship to Dove Goldstein was of a professional nature and one that was appropriate in the circumstances. Huawei said in a statement, Huawei complies with applicable laws and regulations and strives for the highest standards of business conduct. We deny any wrongdoing. TDC said in a statement, we recognize some of the things in Bloomberg's findings from our own files. None of the employees directly mentioned by Bloomberg work for the company today. You can find the full story on businessweek.com.